0: Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith. Our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make him known is our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can always get the message online, YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast. That's air on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to all three Pastor Martin is inside of the continuing series, The Matchless Word of God. Today, he talks about how the Bible is the Word of God. Turn in your Bible or in your Bible apps to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 through 17 as we get ready to receive the Word. Now, let's listen as Pastor Martin dives deeper into the message.
1: Now, this is in conjunction with our 30 essential Bible study. And certainly the principle there is to lift up the significance of Bible study in the life of a committed follower of Christ. However, I felt it necessary for us to begin this series by making certain that we have reaffirmed the significance of God's Word, the Bible. Because unlike a good read on Oprah's list, where it's suggested for you to read this book, it's a good read, she may share the detail, certain uh, aspects of the book that she enjoyed, but then she suggests that it's important or that, that it might be a good idea for you to read. But unlike any other book, the Bible, the Word of God is matchless. And so in order for us to understand for a new believer or help a new believer understand the significance of spending time in the word of God, we must establish that the word of God is truly what it it is. That when we say the Bible is the word of God, we must affirm that. And so so over the course of this month, we're going to spend time reaffirming the significance of Scripture. And establishing that it is set apart, that it's not just a good book. Certainly it is a good book, but it's not just a book. Yes. It is the word of God. Amen. And earlier as our worship team was singing, we heard, we heard that hey, when God speaks, yes. things change. Yes. Right. And we have to recognize that the word of God, the Bible, is God speaking to mankind. He recorded it through men that were inspired to put down the things he would share with them. Now, here's the reality. We live in an increasingly individualistic as well as a humanistic society. If we look around, we understand that it is common for us to hear things like, my truth. Mm -hmm. I want to live my truth. There's a problem with that because you can't own truth. And there is no possession of truth because truth is just truth. We also hear or observe philosophical approaches to life that suggest things like this is my life and I'm going to live it on my own terms and I don't need a God to tell me how to live it. Yeah. The problem is, is that if you, if it's determined that you don't need God's instruction, then his instruction manual you will not look to for guidance. Amen. Now, the Bible, we, we understand, is God's divinely breathed, given, he, he gave this. Uh, uh, Manual, if you will, for life. Now I know if you're like me, uh, you you buy something new and there's instruction manuals in there, and you open it up and you thumb through real quickly, and then you set it off to the side and you lay all the parts out, and you start to think of uh, what what it might, uh, how it all may come together, and then you just begin to put parts together. Now what I've learned I've learned over the years that that's not the best way forward because. I found myself oftentimes believing that the manufacturers were not as smart as I was. Because I'll say to myself, oh, they left some extra parts in here. And it's not until we go to sit down at the table and the leg starts to spread that I realize those were not extra parts. They were necessary parts. So here's the reality. Oftentimes, we may see the Bible as just that. Yes, it's God's instruction manual, but I only need to consult it if I choose. But I would tell you this today, that just like I have found myself getting to the end of the project only to discover there are some major things missing and a disaster is sure to come. So the word of God is not just something we should, we 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 should consult, it's something that we need to consult. Now, the Bible, however, has been under over the over the years, it's always been under duress and under attack, but led primarily by the humanist movement, there's been an all-out assault on its authority and whether or not it is inspired by God or whether or not it truly is the Word of God. It's suggested by the humanists that the Bible is simply just a a, a book with words in it, and they're convinced that this book was written solely by human beings and that it was written in an ignorant and a superstitious and cruel age. And therefore, it should not be consulted. They further believe that because the writers of the Bible lived in what's what's called a so-called unenlightened era, that many of the things in the Bible, its content is erred, harmful, and the teachings are not reliable. This way of thinking, however, is experiencing mass acceptance in society. It used to be that there was a group of individuals who believed this and they they were proponents of getting rid of the Bible. However, it is becoming more and more accepted that the Bible is not God's word. And that is a historical document just as any other document. And as you are living life, you can consult it, if you will, along with other sources. But I will share with you today that the Bible is God's Word. And it has been settled in heaven, according to the psalmist. So as we go through our lesson today and as we uh, navigate our way through this sermon series for the month, we're going to help you to understand some things about the Bible and its significance. One of the things I want to start with, I mentioned the humanists, And so, uh, uh, a few decades ago, the humanist wrote something that's called the Humanist Manifesto. It was Essentially, I'll sum it up because it, the document has various different aspects and areas of it, and it addresses a number of things, but ultimately the gist of it is that that document suggests that man can be good without God. Humanism is a progressive philosophy of life that without without any theism, without any God, or any supernatural belief, it affirms that mankind has the ability, but also the responsibility to lead ethical lives of personal fulfillment, and to aspire to be great absent of God. The challenge with that is, is that we saw this last week that Jeremiah said that the heart of man is desperately wicked, desperately wicked. So if in fact that we are walking and living in this flesh that has a propensity to do wrong without the power of God working in us, and the Word of God working through us, how is it that we could reach this very lofty goal? Now, here's the thing. We live in what's called the information age. The information age essentially is that we have access to so many different resources. What used to take going to the library and minding the books on the shelf. I can find out things by simply a few taps on the laptop, a few pics on my phone, a clicking of a button. Because of this great access, now what we have is that there is this sense of enlightenment or an expanded ability where we don't find the authority of the scriptures to be intact. Because many other things and many other sources are informing our worldview, how we view ourselves, and how we view the the, the, the societal things that, that surround us which then brings us back to why it's important for us to understand that the Bible is the Word of God. So that leads me to my very first point. The Bible is truly the Word of God. Because here's the thing. When someone anymore tweets something or they uh, post something that, draws negative attention. One of the first things that happens is a retraction of that or a suggestion that, hey, I was under duress. I had a lot of things going on in my mind and this was just something that I said, but I really didn't mean it. Here's the reality. There's no set of circumstances that have ever existed in eternity that would cause God to just say something that he didn't mean. He's not subject to pressure, peer pressure. He's not, he, he, he doesn't get stressed out and he doesn't have a lot of things going on that causes him to say things that we must understand that everything he has said, he means. Now, we may not always understand everything that he said, but we still must, cont- we must recognize that we cannot contend with what he says. We must submit to what he says. So the first thing I want to do, so uh, uh, as, I, as I establish that the, that, God, that the Word of God, that the Bible is God's Word, I want to take two different approaches. First, I want to show you internal evidence that the Bible is God's Word. And then I want to show you external evidence that the Bible is God's Word. So the first thing that we must notice about the Bible that's internally that gives us context is its unity, the unity of the Bible. Here's some things to note about the Bible. The Bible is one unified book from beginning to end without contradiction. This unity is unique from all other books that have ever been written. Here's why. Because of the evidence of this unity also speaks of the evidence of it being God's word. Look how we we get to this conclusion. So the Bible is 66 individual books written on three different continents in three different languages over a period of 1,500 years by more than 40 authors. Here's the thing. Who came from various different walks of life. So just think about that. 66 books, 40 different authors, three different continents, three different languages over the span of 1,500 years the unity of the scriptures, speak of this being God's divine word. Another area we want to focus on is prophecies. When we read 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, here's what Peter says. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in A dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter says, listen, the word of God, the things that that God spoke beforehand are things that we have affirmed in our own lives. They walked with Jesus. They saw all the things that had been prophesied about him being fulfilled, which is why Peter stepped up when Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. Only my father. The reality is as we approach the Bible, we cannot approach it from the standpoint of only the natural because we have a supernatural God who's wrote it. So we understand prophecy. The Bible contains hundreds of detailed prophecies related to the future of individual nations, including Israel, obviously, but then also of certain cities and then even of mankind. So we understand that that prophecy helps to to establish that the Bible is God's word. Here's another one. Under prophecy, the prophecy is concerning the coming of one who would be the Messiah. The savior of all the world, unlike the prophecies found in other religious books, of or by men like Nostradamus, who gave very vague details. Here's the reality the Bible speaks very clearly and distinctly about Jesus. He would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquities. This happened hundreds, this was declared hundreds of years before he came. It spoke of him being led as a lamb for the slaughter, as a sheep going to, that he didn't even say a word and Jesus stood there while Pilate Pilate says, defend yourself. He says, I ain't got nothing to say. So we see the prophecies that were spoken specifically of Jesus all through Scripture. Now, watch this. There are over 300 prophecies in the Bible concerning Jesus. 300. And all of them had specifics about them that were fulfilled in Jesus. Remember now, 66 books, 40 authors, a 1,500-year period, and how could all of those 300 different prophecies be accurate unless there was one author? Here's one more. Here's one more. There is no other religious book with the extent or the type of predictive prophecy that the Bible contains. There simply is no logical way that all of these 300 prophecies, 40 different authors, 66 books, 1,500 years could all come together to speak about one man. And watch this and get it right. Here's how this works. If I walked over here and told my dear sister something and I just gave her some details about something that was going to take place, and I say, tell her, yeah. and she says, tell her, and then, and as we get back there, it may have nothing to do with what I told her. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But when you have one author right. writing through one spirit, inspiring all 40 authors you can prove that this is God's word another area that we want to use to help us understand that the Bible is God's word internally is a transforming power of the word of God because somebody just said yes sir because that's their amen and saying I'm one of them that one day I was lost But now I am found blind, but now I see. The authority of the scripture have changed lives. Recently, I was hearing a a, a brother's testimony. He said that he had gotten himself into some trouble and he found himself laying in, in his Uh, On his cot in jail, bewildered and feeling hopeless, and he said that a chaplain had given him a Bible, and he said he opened that Bible and began to just read. He says he couldn't even remember where exactly he was reading; he was just reading through the Bible, and he said that as he was reading. The words on the page, tears began to stream down his face. And he said, Pastor Martin, from that day until this one, a change took place. He said that from that day, something happened in me. Because. It wasn't just another good book. It was the Word of God speaking to his heart and bringing about change. Now I want to turn my attention to external evidence. Here, because the Bible details historical events, its truthfulness and its accuracy. Are subjects that can actually be verified. Just with any other historical document. Here's another thing archaeologists have found evidence, and even other writings outside of the Bible have proven time and time again the things that are recorded in the Bible to be accurate. Here's the thing. All of the archeological data that has been, been, been uh, accumulated over the years, and all the external manuscripts that have been consulted over the years, makes the Bible the best, here it is, the best documented book from the ancient world. There's documents. And manuscripts. There's been findings, the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and others that have found things that were recorded in the ancient world that helped to verify and solidify the Word of God. Here's another one that you may say, well, I don't know about this one, but I think it's valid. The honesty and the sincerity of the authors. Because here's what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21. He says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter says. And here's the thing. An examination of the lives of those men who've served as authors suggests to us that they were men who sincerely believed that that which they were sharing came from God. Here's the other thing. Their willingness to die oftentimes dastardly deaths for the sake of this word. Yes, Come on. Come on. To continue to say, No, I believe. One, one comes to mind, Stephen, who stands there with the men with their stones already drawn, and he steps up and preaches a sermon. And even while he was getting down to his last words, he continues to preach until the last stone hit. Because he believed that the word that that was in him came from God. Here's one more. Because if we think about this, yeah, we die. There's people that will die for many causes, Right? But we're talking about someone not who just gets humped up on some idea, but someone who says, God spoke to me and told me to speak. Jeremiah, we sing about him. He said, I said, I wasn't going to say nothing else. He said, I was done. I didn't want to talk about all these revelations that God has given me. I was done talking about it. He said, but something happened because it was just like fire. like fire inside of me that I I couldn't keep my mouth. shut. I had to, even though I was being persecuted, even though people didn't like me, I had to keep telling it. Why? Because it was like fire in me. Knowing what the consequences would be. He said, I had to tell it. Here's this last one. The New Testament authors, they had this truth Living in front of them, because those three hundred prophecies about Jesus—they walked with him for three and a half years. They saw him heal and sick and raise the dead. They watched him go to trial and not defend himself. They saw him wounded for transgressions and bruised for iniquities. They saw with their own eyes. And then they were eyewitnesses who told others, who told others, who told others. And all these years later, somebody told me. Somebody told you. And look at you now. Today, you are here. Because they walked with Jesus. Here's one more. Here's one more external evidence, the indestructibility of the Bible. (laughs) Matthew says it this way in chapter 24, verse 35, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. See, the Bible has been under duress since since it was brought together. There have been... Fierce leaders who have tried to burn all the Bibles. There have been those who have banned the use of Bibles. Even in communist nations where the Bible is a having the Bible is something that is punishable by by death. There are men and women. I was watching a program of a village of believers in a a small village, remote village in Japan. And these people's faith was so strong, you'd have thought that everybody had a Bible. And here's all they had. They had a few pages of the Gospel of John. And wait a minute now. They would have to sneak at night to come together in the quiet of the night just to look at the pages Bible, nice. to get the revelation that God had given. Wow, even when it was just a page left, the Bible still stands. Yeah, yeah. Not even a whole Bible. And it still has the power to change. Indestructible. So the reality of the Bible being God's word is evident, even outside of the Bible. There's been skeptics who even today, as I started by saying, that, that there is uh, those who believe the Bible is just myth. That it's just a book that was written in an outdated time and that the teachings there are not reliable but as we've already understood, the Bible both has both internal evidence and it has external evidence, which leads me to point number two. The Bible reveals who God is and how he relates to mankind. See, God reveals himself through the scriptures because One definition of religion is man's effort to get to God. So we recognize those who are religious, they recognize that there is something divine or uh, oftentimes referred to as the great power or uh, the great being in the sky. It's had different iterations over the years. But there's a sense and a need that, that there is God or there is something. Some of the terms that get thrown out there today is karma, Hey, hey, listen, let me say this. Believer. Born again child of God. Born again child of God. Karma is not theological. Its source comes out of Hinduism, which is idolatry. And if you are going around saying karma gonna get them, stop. Get your Bible. God already spoke about that. He says, you reap what you sow. It ain't karma because karma says the whole universe is coming together. All the powers of the universe is coming together somehow and punishing you or somehow coming together and blessing you. That ain't Bible. We are people of the word. We're people of the light. Walk in the light. Let me give this to you real quick. So the Bible, God, reveal, God reveals himself through the Bible. We've got to start with the beginning. Here's how it starts. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 or 2. In the beginning, God. The Bible starts out by saying, in the beginning, God. So, so if you understand, if, if it starts out by saying, I'm revealing to you God, then we understand God is revealing himself through the scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, God. Now here's the thing. Through the scriptures, we understand the Trinity. The Trinity actually reveals who the one true God is. Because it is through Christology that we understand that God is not just any other God. One of the things that, that uh, one of my professors in seminary questioned us to do, he posed a question to us because there is a widespread movement that suggests that we're all serving the same God. So he asked a question, he says, is Allah Jesus' father. And we had to theologically answer that question. Because here's what you must understand that in the context of Jesus being God's son, we understand there can only be one true God. Amen. Right. Here's how this works. So I'm George Martin. Junior, I've got a George Martin III, he's sitting right over there. He can't have but one daddy. So if Jesus is God's son, he can only have one father. And if he has one father who is God over all, then there's just Here's how the word breaks it down for us. Uh, Turn real quick. Uh, I'm running out of time, but turn with me real fast to, to, to John, the first chapter. John, the first chapter. John, the gospel of John, chapter one. Verse one. Yes, sir. He said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by or through Him, and without Him was nothing made. Slide down to verse 14, because then he says, and the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. One daddy, one son, the only begotten of the Father, who was in the same beginning we just read in Genesis, and said that he was with God, was God, and nothing was made without him. You say, well, that sounds like three gods. Oh, John, he, he, he understood you critics. So he, he, he comes back in 1 John yes. chapter 5, verse 7. He said, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And he says this, Brother Isaac, and these three are one. Well, how can, I, how can you be three and be one at the same time? I don't have enough understanding to explain God. But I do understand enough that if he said, it's me, my son, and my spirit, and we are three and yet one, I accept that. You say, well, I'm, I'm an intellectual. I need, I need to know more. I just need to know. Let me help you with this. If you could explain God, he would no longer be God. You wouldn't need him. Because you know what happens. My, my, my kids, they, they, they want to always buy these new games, Brother Don. And, and, and so, you know, anymore, just buy one of those little games, little cartridges sticking in the Switch. It's like $60. So you know, they'll talk about it for weeks, asking to get it. Can you please get it, Daddy? Can you please get it? We buy it and they spend day and night playing it those first few days. But here's what I've learned. After they master it, they're done with it. I said, hey, where's that game we bought last week? (laughs) Oh, I beat it. I want to beat you. for the, <laughs> maybe the, I did spent spend almost $100 on those games, and you're done with them already? But because we see in that, after they've mastered it, or here it is, after they understand it, they're done with it. So I'm okay with this. This three being one, and I can't explain it to you, but I can teach you that it is true. Here's here's one more. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. Don't go there because I don't have time. I'm done. But I need to share this with you. He is the image, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him, here it is, and for him. Yeah. He said, Jesus is what helps us to understand who the one true God is, because we know he's not plural, he's not all these other things, he's God. Jesus' Father. Amen. Amen. Verse 17 says, and he is before all things and in him all things consist. That leads me to my last and final point. The Bible reveals how man is to relate to God. Turn back to our opening text. You thought, well, Pastor Martin, you've been everywhere but but the text we started with because I'm ending there. Here we go. Here's what the Word says. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at verse 15. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God here it is. It's beneficial or profitable for a doctrine. Doctrine helps us. Ha- ha- doctrine uh, flows out of systematic theology. For reproof. So reproving. Reproving again. How many times of your faith was failing you, and you got in that word, and it re- reproved to you who God was. For correction. Hey. I want to go left, but the Word of God tells me that I'm supposed to be going right. For instruction in righteousness, how can I, being fallen and flawed, how can I live a life in the image of God? Through the Word of God. Finally, verse 17, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped. See, the Bible is given that we might be equipped for the good work of the ministry.
0: We had an awesome time in the Lord, and we pray that you did as well. And want to thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, we hope to see you then. Be blessed.